Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. I think we are at the halfway marker of the fast, right? 21 days, we're at day 10, is it? Day 11? <clears throat> More than halfway. I used to say, um, I used to say, oh, it's all downhill running from here. And I meant to say like, it's all downhill, like it gets easier, but Annie would always correct me. No, that means it's getting worse. You know, downhill, like it goes, it gets worse. Um, you know, fewer days in front of us, more days behind us. Amen? I could say that about a lot of things. <laughs> okay, Genesis chapter 6. Here we go. <clears throat> now it came about when mankind began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the Son of God saw the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took wives of themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also, forwarded after, uh, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of mankind, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts in their hearts was only evil continually. So the Lord was sorry that he had made mankind on the earth, and he was grieved. <clears throat> in his heart, then the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the land, mankind and animals as well as crawling things, and the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah, verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Okay, so you start getting into chapter 6, and there's a lot of questions. Okay? We, we read some interesting things just now, if you, if you, if you caught them. <laughs> there's a lot of um, theories. There's a lot of debate, uh, I mean, Genesis in general, but then particularly from six to the next uh, th you know, three chapters or so. If you have questions about any of these things, we spent about 30 minutes yesterday in our staff meeting, and I sat down and I said, I've been doing this for 25 years, I feel like I can answer just about anything, you know, because I have a relationship with God. Um, how, how do I explain it? Uh, let's say, let's say, uh, uh, I don't have to know, like, every single detail of my wife. Does that make sense? I don't have to know every single detail. I don't need to know, uh, uh, you know, how, you know, her, how she brushes her teeth, how many strokes of her hair, you, you know what I mean? Like, like. I, I know her so deeply, so personally, and she knows me so deeply, so personally. So if you wanted to know something about me, you could ask her, you would know. But that doesn't necessarily mean I know every single detail, fabric, makeup, does that make sense? And so, um, you know, the, the point of the scripture is you wanna to get to know God's character, God's heart. It'd be like saying something like, 
you know, some of you guys may have a favorite musician or a favorite actor, right? Right? And you might be like on their fan base, right? Some, I know some people who are hardcore like that. And if we got into a talk, it'd be like a, it, could, it'd be, it can become like a debate, like a trivia, like, oh, I know, I know, you know, uh, BTS way more than you know BTS, right? Uh, uh, I know this particular actor, I've been following her since she was in TV, became a musician, now is an actress, you know what I mean? You guys hear what I'm saying? You, you could know a lot about this person, right? Because you've been following, you've been reading, you know, publications, you know, tabloids, all that stuff. But if I tell you, but I actually hung out this, with this person, and I hang out with them all the time, and every summer and winter we go skiing, you know, skiing together, we go fishing, right? You'd be like, well, tell me more about this person. Like, what is this person really like? Do you, do you guys hear what I'm saying? And so there's a difference between knowing, just knowing scriptures and knowing facts and trivia and being able to make a debate, and then actually knowing the person of God. And, and, and really, that's, that's the goal. The goal is, you want to come into a personal relationship with God. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, we've been doing it all wrong. If all we're trying to do is find rules and regulations, no wonder it's so hard. No wonder it's like, oh, I messed up here, I messed up there. No wonder it feels overwhelming, like, like a weight, like a performance. No, the whole point of scriptures and the gospel and Christ is so that you can come back into a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah. Okay? <laughs> Um, does that make sense? Okay, so um, so I, I sat down with the staff and I was like, if you have any questions, ask me anything, because I feel like I've known God so personally, and like there are very few, there's only one question I can't answer to this day, and I've been asked hundreds of questions, you know? And then Yvain asked this question, I was like, oh, now there's two questions I don't know. <laughs> um, but we had a really nice, robust discussion. You know, we could go to no end. Uh, it's so fascinating, it's so rich, right? There's such depth. And, uh, you know, if you're always looking through the lens of, of Christ and trust in God, man, it's so life-giving, right? But if that trust and understanding of the, the redemptive narrative of Christ is not there, then it can be quite uh, difficult. Does that make sense? Right? The truths of God can be hard, can be difficult, can be not easy to adopt or swallow. If the foundation of trust, believing that he is good, <clears throat> and what he did on the cross to prove that, if that's not there, you will always struggle in reading the scriptures. You will always second guess. Does that make sense? But the moment you trust the full, complete work of God on the cross through Jesus Christ, the scriptures can be fun. The scriptures can be life-giving. The scriptures can be great to have dialogue around, right? So we're like, what about this? What about that? Hey, but we're, we all believe in God and we all believe Jesus loves us and we all understand in that lens. We're not like question. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, what about you? And so we had, we had a really great robust. I'm saying all this to say that we're not going to do that right now. So if you have questions, you can come up to me and ask me later. And I'd be happy to uh, uh, try to unpack you know, certain things in details. Right now, I want to focus, you know, we, we call it, we major on the majors, minor on the minors. I want to major on the majors. Does that make sense? And the majoring on the majors is, is Christ. Every, anything and everything that points to Christ, even the Old Testament, okay? So verse 5, you know, the Lord saw that there was wickedness in mankind. So basically what's going on, um, a quick reminder, a quick reminder, I kind of already mentioned it. Um, three lenses, three lenses when looking at scriptures. You must know the whole counsel of scriptures, right? It's very... Um, 
as a mature believer, when you come upon a difficult passage, you can't just say, oh, you know, in the back of your mind, oh, you know, antenna goes up, oh, you know, I don't know if, I, you know, God's character, you know, what's up with that? And just, you just kind of brush it under the rug, right? And move on to the verses that you like or the things that are peace-giving or the things that give you eternal life, right? You, when you find something hard in scriptures, you have to look to the whole counsel of scriptures. You have to look at every context where this topic is mentioned. And then in light of that, what is God's consistent character throughout those scenarios, right? And that'll give you clarity. Second, you have to have the lens of the redemptive work of God on the cross. Ultimately, you must look at everything through what God did on the cross. That that was his ultimate goal and plan and purpose so that we can come back in a relationship. You have to have those two. Thirdly, and I haven't shared this with you. Thirdly, you know, whole counsel of scriptures. You must know the scriptures. You must look through the lens of the redemptive narrative of the cross of Jesus. Thirdly, you need revelation. Right? Let me tell you, there are PhD scholars, multiple PhDs, who teach the Bible as literature in Princeton and Harvard. And if you sat them down next to me, like I said, they would, they would blow me out of the water in terms of historicity and, and, and you know, being able to uh, uh, memorize scriptures and, and, and counter and all that stuff, right? Well, as far as I'm concerned, all they've done is read a lifetime of tabloids, <laughs> People Magazine, and they, they've memorized it. But they don't actually know God. Does that make sense? Huge difference, right? So don't be intimidated by someone who's like spewing out Bible knowledge that is not an indicator that they have a relationship or any real foundation in Christ. I'm sorry, right? It's the best place to start. It's a good place to start. I would say it's the first place to start, knowing the scriptures. But if all you see on the outside is someone who can memorize scriptures and, and say, well, that's not what God said. God said this. And that's all, you know. I mean, don't, don't be intimidated by that. You know, even Paul says to Timothy, who's a young you know, pastor that he's raising up, right? Don't be intimidated by your youthfulness. But, but in uh, you know, righteousness, self-control, uh, uh, he gives a various you know, few things in character, loving God, serving others, you know, be bold. Um, and so the last one is, the third one, lens, is personal revelation. And you can ask for personal revelation. You can ask God. You can ask the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. You can, as a new believer seeker, read it, <clears throat> or as a new believer with the Holy Spirit in you, you can say, Holy Spirit, Give me revelation. Give me understanding. God, show me. Show me. And then, and then take note. And uh, God can give you revelation piece by piece uh, uh, as you seek him and through the scriptures. Okay? So three lenses. Uh, what's going on here in chapter 6 is, um, you know, up from the chapter 1 up to chapter 6, you know, God creates the garden. Perfect relationship. Gives them free will because they're made in their image. Because true love is of your own volition, not manufactured or forced. That's why coming, accepting Christ is always a choice. Okay? They sin, they fall, there's separation. God pushes them out of the garden so that they won't have access to the tree of life. Um, you know, they birth children, Cain and Abel. The first city in all of scriptures in history is recorded uh, in, in uh, chapter 4 or 5, was it? Uh, through Cain. The first revival is mentioned in chapter 5 where it says around that time people started to seek the Lord right so there is this place of incredible intimacy and walk with God there was the fall a spiritual decline and then as a result there was a revival people started seeking the Lord again and then things started getting worse things started getting even worse people 
started sinning, uh, abusing, uh, relationships, uh, uh, murder, you know, sexual, all those things, the depravity of man, just everything started getting worse and worse. Um, in other places in scriptures, you'll hear something like, and man began to do what they thought was right in their own eyes, right? They, they've taken the judgment seat. They, they call all the shots. <clears throat> um, so things are getting worse. And this is where Noah is introduced. Noah is introduced in this context. The scripture says of Noah in chapter 6 verse 9 that he was righteous and that he was upright. That he was righteous and that he was upright. Noah had a life of dependence. He depended on God. Uh, uh, continue, uh, uh, you know, we have to have a life you know, to live righteous and upright that, that is dependent on God, that continually seeks to commune with God, communicate with God, you know, having a walk that is pleasing to God. And so the scriptures tells us that Noah lived in such a way, the principles of God, righteous and upright. Um, the ark is about 100,000 square feet, which is the size of about 20 basketball courts, which would, you know, uh, they have netball here, right? That'd be similar, I think, I believe, right? So think about 20, uh, uh, the length of about 20 uh, uh, netball courts, 14,000 tons. Uh, uh, it would be the size of like an ocean liner or a, or a battleship, like a cruise ship. Um, box size, you know, to, to certain specifications to prevent capsizing. It took about 120 years to build the ark. Uh, I want you to know that as God noticed the depravity and the and the and the sin of man, and and I'm gonna save that. You know, why does God choose the flood and why does God wipe that out? I'm gonna talk about that tomorrow, and then I, I'm gonna save the whole the whole where God uses Israel to wipe out you know ethnic groups and things like that, or permits or allows uh, Israel to do so. Um, I want you to notice something here um, that the ark and the calling of Noah ultimately for the preservation of humanity right through through what would come through Jesus okay in this context that that light or that hope might be flickering you, you might have a hard time seeing that uh, my job is to help you is to dig that out and to make you Make sure that you know that it's there. The whole purpose of this ultimately is to bring the narrative and bring the uh, uh, coming of Christ to the Messiah. I want you to see here that it wasn't man that cried out to God. It wasn't man that was like, oh, look at our predicament. Like, man, we're so fallen, we're so broken, you know, we need God. It wasn't Noah who's like, oh, I'm living upright and righteous, this place is going to hell kind of a thing. Oh God, are you going to do something about it, right? I want you to see here that it was God's initiative. God was the one who said, here's a man, here's someone, upright, righteous, uh, uh, living in obedience, living in purity, and I'm going to do something through this, and I'm going to continue the line. I'm not going to wipe out. I'm going to make a way. And so I just want us to recognize here that God is often the one that initiates. You in the toughest season of your life if you've ever thought about this and a hardened heart 
right? Hardened in the sense that you just, you know, life is what it is, right? You just, you just got to do what you do, do what works, you know, fake it till you make it kind of a thing, right? If you ever can recall in your past or even now the seasons or moments in your life where you're like, you know, things were tough, things were down and out, and, you know, heart was hard, and you're like, oh God, but I need you. That, that's grace. That's God's mercy. That's, that's God allowing us to recognize that He's there. That's God allowing us to recognize that we can call on Him. Does that make sense? Whenever we're saved by God, it's because God allowed us to be saved. And so, it's God's initiative. God saw the predicament. God could see where this is all headed. God could see the ultimate and, and you know, eternal you know, destruction. And so oftentimes, in places very difficult and tough for us to perceive, and I'm sure not easy of a decision as well, but God chooses to intervene and, and, and you know, he's going to bring the flood that's going to be catastrophic, that's going to, you know, that's going to be heartbreaking, but at the same time, there's hope. There's hope. Uh, and so God initiates, and you'll see that God initiates with Moses. God initiates with Abraham. People who followed him, who forgot him, God said, hey, don't forget me. I'm right here. And God begins to move. And sometimes before we recognize that it's God, sometimes circumstances dictate or push us or force us even sometimes to cause us to be like, man, I think I need to get right with God. Does that make sense? Right? Sometimes God allows. He doesn't do it. He's not the one committing it. But sometimes God says, okay, you're, wa you're walking off the ranch. You're walking out of my covering. Sometimes God will permit and allow certain things, you know, that ultimately may be painful at the time, but ultimately may draw us back to our relationship with God. Something that would save me. Something that would save my family. Something that would save those that I love. Um, and so it's one of those things that we can't, if you overthink it, you're just going to, you know, it, it can get tough, but we, we lay that at the cross. We trust God. God, why'd you do it this way? But but I trust you. God, the flood, why'd you do it that way? Okay, but the cross, I, I, I trust you. Okay. Um, Noah's life was a witness and a warning. Okay. Noah's life was a witness and a warning. The way he lived his life was a witness and testimony to God, but it was also a warning. I mean, he's building a boat. People are wondering, why are you building a boat? They've never seen the ocean. They've never seen rain like that or, you know, ever in their lives. And every day for 120 years while he's, while he's building this, he's a testimony, but he's also a warning. Get right with God. Get right with God. And, and you know, tell people, get right with God. You know, the judgment is coming. Um, and so here's a great question to ask this morning in the scriptures with Noah and many people in the scriptures. What did it cost? What did it cost Noah to follow God? What did it cost him to obey God? Right? It cost him everything. Man, he's like, like everyone thinks he's crazy. You know, if he's got teenage daughters and stuff, everyone thinks he, their kids are crazy. He's going to get made fun of. You don't think his kids came home and like, man, can you just stop? You know, like stop doing that. You know, don't, you're embarrassing me in front of all my friends. Right? Uh, can you imagine the ridicule and the judgment uh, um, and, and the, being ostracized and for 120 years obeying God, being faithful to God and being outcast and rejected by the world. Um, there is a heavy cost there 
is a cost to following Jesus, right? I think, you know, in the, in the home that I grew up in, in the culture and context that I grew up in, I think very similar. I, I often tell people, um, you, you may have never heard this before, but I often tell my friends, Singapore reminds me of Southern California, you know, uh, uh, palm trees, everyone walking around in shorts and slippers. I did that my whole life growing up for 30 years. I, I, I walked around literally in shorts and slippers everywhere I went, you know, driving to the beach and, and uh, uh, you know, weather's, uh, weather's quite different, but. <laughs> um, but I would tell people, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm home. This is my home away from home. Um, and uh, can you guys help me out? Why did I start talking about that? <laughs> California, why, why did I bring up California and weather and all that good stuff? Doctor, Doctor Yvonne. Okay. Anyways, we'll move on. Hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the train of thought, but I don't remember why I said it still. <laughs> um, anyways, they're getting ridiculed. Oh, comfort, comfort. That's what I was saying. Um, I, I grew up in in a in a culture and context where. I'm being serious. Um, like, you could live well, you could love God, and as a Christian, you were, you were looked up as, as a cool person. Isn't that crazy? I grew up in a context, or in my, in my youth, high school, and college, where as a believer, like in, in, the, in the people I hung out with, in circles, like it was cool to be a Christian. Like, like the people on our campus on high school wanted to hang out with the Christians on, on campus. You know, we were just this, this huge group. Um, and so you, you can get used to the idea that following Jesus and, and all that, and you hear about the cost, and you, you hear, read about all those that paid a price, and we know about people in other parts of the world that paid the ultimate you know, price, you know, their lives, <clears throat> uh, 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 prejudice and things like that, being ostracized from family. I mean, just across the, I mean, in, in Japan, in, in, in the Middle East, even in Malaysia and Indonesia, you choose Christ, you're ostracized by the family and government. Boom, out, right? In Japan, that's why it's so hard. Um, it's so difficult. Uh, many people compare getting saved as a Japanese and getting saved as an Arab or a Palestinian. The moment you choose Jesus, you have rejected your family, your culture, your government. I mean, everything. It's a holistic approach to life. You know, like we're compartmentalized, religion, government. You know, family, right? Everything is, is, is separate. But in these cultures, it's all one. It's all homogenous. You're, you're, it's, it's synonymous. You're, you're, to say that you're one, you're, you're all the same in the other. And so when you reject a, a, a belief system, you're not, you know, in, in Japan, you know, that's why there's so few believers. You're not just, they feel like they're not just accepting Christ. They feel like they're rejecting their whole way of life. And that's why it's so hard for someone to accept Christ, at least publicly, and to actually live it out. Right? And so, I, I mean... Don't quote this. You know, this is just my own simple. You know, like one believer in Japan is worth like ten in anywhere else in the world. You, you know what I mean? That that's but that's the type of cost. So you can't look down at a church of twenty average in Japan. These these people are all out for God. Does that make sense? And so I think that you know we're actually in danger. I think I think it's hard. That's why the scripture says it's hard for the wealthy to inherit the kingdom of God. It is. It is. It's absolutely hard. There's no lie to that. It's absolutely true. We get into this place of like, God and God is good because we have all the comforts. 
And when we start losing these comforts, we start questioning whether or not God is for us or God is good. That is, that is wrong. That is really bad theology. That's a really warped sense of relationship with God. God, full stop. Not the God of comfort, not the God of provision. Does that make sense? Okay. We have to mature. We have to break out of that. Okay. We can't you know, make synonymous God's favor with our comfort and our provision, right? God loves me because I got a promotion. Oh, not at all. You might have a promotion, you might have, but that, might, that doesn't mean God has favor on you. Does that make sense? Okay, so we have to uh, uh, be willing and, and recognize that there's a cost. There's absolutely a cost to following Christ. There's absolutely a cost. What is that cost? What does that cost? What was that cost for Noah? What does that cost for us? Um, There are also consequences. There are consequences for our actions. There's consequences as believers, right? Um, let's be clear. You can murder someone, right? It happens. You can get uh, uh, um, judged by a court of law and sent to prison, lifetime sentence, yes? And then in prison, because there's prison ministry, you can get saved, amen? And you have a relationship with God. And one day when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Amen? But you're still going to be in prison. There are consequences to our actions in this lifetime. Right? Um, so there's a great cost. And, and the beauty of the gospel is God ultimately paid all the consequences and costs for our sins upon himself. And if we believe in him, we have eternal life, a new beginning, a new creation, a new hope, a new start. Anything is possible. But don't ever forget the cost that was paid. Grace is free, right? God gives it to us freely, but it was not cheap. It cost everything. It cost God everything. So God would not ask us to give or do or serve in any capacity that he has not already given, done, or served. Amen? So we gladly, of our own volition, willingly serve God. Um, let me wrap up with this. <clears throat> um, I once envisioned this, actually. I actually played the whole thing out in my mind. I, I, I realized I have quite a visual, very creative mind. Um, and sometimes I get caught up in it and I'll start saying things and I realize, oh, I'm not talking to anyone. Um, and so imagine this. Just imagine this and I'll wrap up this morning. Imagine you live your life to the best of your ability and, and you know, we all make mistakes and all that and, and God covers us with grace and ultimately through the cross we know the ultimate reward in heaven. But don't forget, we can live a life of fulfillment, the kingdom of God lived out here, you know, as we follow and obey God's principles, as we choose to see things the way God sees things. Okay? Uh, um, and so maybe we're on the wall, maybe on certain things, you know, we weren't able to fully commit, and, you know, there's grace for all that. <clears throat> um, you know, there's some areas we wish we could do over. We die. Okay? Eventually, has anyone told you this lately? Right? You're going to die. Everyone in the Bible who loved God and did amazing things died. Even those that were resurrected and healed eventually died. Even Lazarus. Amazing healed, but then he died. Okay? That's, that's just, I'm going to just, you know, we're all, we're, all, we're all headed in that path. All of us have a time limit here on earth. Okay? Um, and so, you know, if you haven't, just, you know, I think every once in a while it's a good reminder. Okay? So, so in this narrative, you know, it, it, I played it out, and so we're all dead. Okay? 
eventually. And then we go to heaven. Now imagine yourself. Okay, just imagine this is you. Just, just try to walk through, me, through this with me. You die, you go to heaven. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is even better than I thought. Heaven is amazing. Oh man, I can't wait to meet the man, you know, Jesus. Right? And everyone's lined up and all that stuff. And, and you're, you know, you're not even thinking about the things, you know, in the past and, and things in the world. All that stuff is like, whoa, way, way behind. You meet Jesus and for the first time, for the first time in your existence, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, even more, like, I get it now. God, you are so beautiful. You know, the scripture says we know in part, right? We understand in part. But when we are face to face, the scripture says we will know fully, we'll be complete, right? So even our faith in God and our trust, it's faith because we don't have all the answers. It's faith because we see slivers of the kingdom of God. We get moments of, of, of the spirit moving in us and we're like, oh, it's reminders of us, right? And so even now it's in part, but a huge part of faith. But when we get there, there's no more second guessing. There's like, it's, it's like, I get it now, right? Whatever you don't get now, we die, we go to heaven, we I get it now. Oh my gosh, I totally get it. Oh my God, you're, um, and like, we're like, you know, we're like so moved, like, you, like, you're, this is like, I, I fully understand your love. I fully understand, I, and, and now I can fully love you. Oh my gosh, this is life changing. God, God, send me back. Send, like, I, I didn't know, if, if I knew this, if I knew what I know now, before your face in heaven, I mean, I would have done, I would have done everything to, Send me back. Let, let, me, let me go back now. Let me get a second chance and I'll rewrite the script. I'll, I'll do everything different. But you don't get to go back. You don't, you don't get a second life. It's too late. I mean, the reward is there. It's all good. But like what I'm saying is walk yourself through and like, like oh my gosh, I get it now. God, I know how much you love me. Oh my gosh, God, I love you. Uh, there's nothing I would not do for you. It, now that I know this, in, in the fullness, so send me back and, and I'll do it over again and I'll... There's no do-over. You get one life. You get one life. Now is the time where you get to do or choose and say, I'm going to make these sacrifices. I'm going to live for you. In faith, knowing what I just told you, one day it's all going to make sense. One day you're going to get it. One day you're going to be... And you're going to be like, there's nothing... I would not have laid down for you had I known what I know now. That's faith. Faith is you saying, I know that God is that good, even if I haven't experienced it yet. And I believe that that's truth. And so in faith, I respond. And God has certainly given us glimpses and places in the cross and the gospel to warrant for us to actually believe that. We've seen it. We've actually seen it. Does that make sense? Isn't that a great narrative? Right? So go. Go in the favor of God. Go in the faith of God. Go knowing and believing that God is really, you know, even more than advertised as great as the scripture says he is. And live a life worthy and pleasing of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's have our worship come up. Hallelujah. One life to live. You get a lot of second chances here. When you die and go to heaven, you don't get to go back and do it over. Give God praise now. Even in brokenness, even in disarray, even in distance, you don't feel like it. God feels so far. Praise God because you know He's worthy. Because you know He's worthy. 
even if the heart is hard, even if the heart is dry, but you know God is good, but you know God is worthy, and you know one day that, that the fullness of that revelation is already yours to have. And so today, we can praise God in faith. We can say, God, you are worthy in our brokenness, in our, in our, in our hardship, in our tears, in our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our struggle. Man, this is so hard, but God, I know you're still worthy. I know you still love me. And you give God praise. That praise is so powerful. Praise is good when things are good and God loves it. But man, when things are hard and it's tough and we still choose to praise, man, God sees that praise. He sees your heart yearning for him. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We need more of you. Fill this place, saturate this place. Lord, once there was a judgment that came and, and flooded and wiped out, but now, Lord, your spirit, the judgment fell upon you, and now your heavenly waters, the Holy Spirit, floods our hearts, floods this room, floods the earth for those that would believe and choose. God, we choose you. You are worthy. God, you are worthy of our praises, we pray in Jesus' name. Why don't we all stand and let's respond in uh, worship.